tonight. We're just really excited. They're going to share a little bit about their vision and their mission and what God's got them doing. So come on up, yeah. Ryan. We'll pray for you, and then we'll yeah, get the short. Oh, you're a spokesman. Nicole's the spokesman. Do your thing. We know Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. My name is Nicole Sally, and I'm 26 years old, and I'm from Minnesota. And about four years ago, I met I met Pastor Tom and a group of people, and uh, went out to Seattle for a year. And tonight we've got 25 people from a program called Generational Leadership. God is turning the hearts of fathers to the children, just like He said in Malachi. He's doing it. And it's happening through this program. Pastor Tom and a group of his leadership burn with a vision to raise up sons and daughters in this hour. Not soldiers, sons and daughters who take ownership in the kingdom of God. That they're not trying to perform, that they're not trying to use their gifts to get to Him or to please Him, but they know the Father heart of God. And what it is, is it's, a, it's an 11 month um, long program where you go and give a year of your life. It's for 18 to 25 year olds. And you say, God, before I go into college, before I go into the military, before I start this career, before I start this relationship, God, I want to seek wisdom. Yeah. I want to seek it more than I want to seek silver or gold because that's yeah. the, what the word tells us to do. Lord, I want to lay the foundation and I want to lay it right so that whatever I build on top of it, it won't crumble. Yeah. You know, and there is a need for that in our broken generation. There's a need for that in fatherless and motherless homes with the, with the divorce rate the way that it is. We're zealous and we're passionate because we're young. But if we don't get some wisdom to meet that, that passion... We're not going to go very far. We're going to make the same mistakes that our parents did. And that is the truth. And I am so excited because I personally, um, when I was 18 years old, I went to a program called Master's Commission. God captivated my heart when I was 14 years old. And I encountered him. He told me that he loved me. And I've never been the same since that happened. And I had a desire to be near to him. I had a desire to be close to him. And I wanted to please him with everything that I had. But I had a war going on inside of me that I didn't know how to fight. And I went into the Master's Commission. Um, I did two years of that. I went down to the International House of Prayer for a while. And I would come back from these programs. And I was passionate. I learned those verses. And I got revelation while I was there. But there was this identity crisis going on inside of me. You know? And I, and I could not figure out why my heart wasn't changing. And then I, I, I took a year where I just said, I'm done fighting this battle because I'm so tired. I'm so tired of fighting these desires. I'm so tired of my heart not changing. And I kind of went down this bad road and really just ran the other way. And I ran into these people about a year later. And I was kind of tired of programs and hearing about programs and, you know, and I met them and I met Pastor Tom and Pastor Tom looked at me and he sp- spoke worth and value and destiny over me and he drew forth the call of God on my life to be a daughter, to know my worth and my value, you know, 
Because we can be really passionate and we can have a lot of gifts and we can be the most awesome worship leader, the most awesome preacher, and we can be going there. And, but if we don't have the character and we don't know that our identity is not a worship leader, it's not a preacher, it's not a businessman, it's not a mother one day or a wife or a girlfriend, our identity is a son or a daughter. And if we don't get that revelation, we're going to burn out, we're going to fall away, we're going we're gonna to possibly be one of those many statistics of divorce. And what this program does is you get these people, and they're not making money. Nobody's <laughs> making a commission here. The heart of God is alive in fathers to say, like Paul, like Pastor Tom, to say, this is the greatest investment that I can make in my lifetime. Yeah. And, and lessons that would take me 20 years to learn, I can learn in a year if I humble myself yeah. under this and I say, God, I'm going to search for your wisdom. And God said, I'm going to give it to you. Because if you ask for wisdom and you believe, he's going to give it to you. Right. And what this year is, is it's, it's 11 months long. I, I did it for two years. Um, I was on staff there and my life got changed. And that struggle that was Hallelujah. happening in my life ended. My heart was one, and God captivated me. And I don't serve God today because I have to. I serve God because there is nothing good found outside of Him. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. And God is wanting us to give up everything. He's wanting Daniels and um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's to have an allegiance to Jesus, an allegiance to the Father, to say, God... I don't care. You are everything. There's nothing good that the world has to offer me. And I had kind of had to go down the hard road to find that. But it's like God is, is not doing a new thing, you guys. He's revealing his goodness to a generation. And he's bringing restoration of his principles and his word and things that were done for a long time and worked. And I'm just so excited about what God's doing. And I believe that if you can spend $40,000 and four years of your life to get a trade just to make money, why can't we invest time? Why can't we invest time in, in having our foundation made solid and knowing who we are so that when we build that marriage on it one day, when we build our lives one day, that it's not going to crumble. Yeah. The greatest investment that you can make, it's not a waste of time. There's 24 people here that are getting their worlds rocked. God is put, breathing the life into them through, they have teachings and they, they go on mission trips and they, they, they just get exposed to truth. Yeah. And they humble themselves and they fall in love with the Lord, the Father, heart of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they get launched into their destiny. And then they're not going, trying to go into school and find their identity in a relationship. That's right. They're not trying to find their identity in their job, yeah. their success. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, living for God is the best. Yeah. Nope. I wouldn't choose anything else. And I just believe that God is raising up sons and daughters. Amen. Sons and daughters. Amen. And Ryan and Pastor Tom are going to speak a little bit about that tonight. But consider what I said tonight. Consider that. Don't hold anything back from God. Yeah. Give everything to Him. Yeah. Seek first the kingdom of God. And He will add everything yeah. unto you. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. amen. Amen. Here's Ryan. Yeah. Good intro. Man, I didn't think she was going to stop. You get that train going, 
It's hard to put the brakes on. True. Uh, yeah. I'm going to see if I can use this as a table. First of all. Should work. Um, hey, everybody. This is cool. This is really cool what you've got going on here. I um, My name's Ryan. I've been on staff with Generational Leadership for three years now. I'm 28 years old. And... Uh, just to give you a little background on me, I, I graduated from this program about nine years ago. Um, felt called to full-time ministry, and um, so I graduated with just a, a love for the Lord. Went back to my, I, my home church. I grew up in a Methodist church uh, close by where this program is, and went back there and was the youth pastor for five years at that church, and really um, felt God calling me back to this, so I've been back... Uh, just on staff with Pastor Tom for three years because I really do believe that God is raising up a young yeah. generation um, to be revolutionary. Yeah. Um, that's right. To, to, to be a, a reformation generation for real. You know? And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight because I think, honestly, every generation... Thanks. I guess this thing is kind of expensive. I shouldn't... <laughs> You got you it. Think you get it open. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, just God's raising up a reformation generation uh, in our culture, in college, and it needs to happen. Yeah. You know, Nicole said this. A lot of people come into this program before college, but you know, we've got two girls in Stephanie and Jessica that came after college because, quite frankly, college. Uh, stole their faith away. Um, and that happens because worldly wisdom is not the same thing as godly wisdom, is it? And uh, so there's just no way around it. You've got to keep yourself immersed in a place where you're going to get the truth of what the Word of God says. And, and, and that's only going to happen if you choose to dig into it. You know, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And just as a young generation, we get so anxious because the world says, well, you got to figure out what you want to do with your life. you got to figure out all the things. And then if you have time, you can seek God. But God says, how about, how about you get my plan for your life first, and I'll give you a strategy, and I'll give you a game plan so that when you do go into these situations, you're going to be ready. And I, I can confidently say that, um, as we've just met Jesus this year, that's really what this program is all about. We've got confidence. We can enter into the world. We don't have to avoid it, but we can enter into the world really choosing to reform some things. Yep. Because how many of you really want to reform the way society does a lot of things? I don't know about you. I'm not married yet, but as a young person, I'm not satisfied with a 55% divorce rate in our society. I think... We can do a lot better than that. Nobody gets on an airplane where the pilot comes on and says, well, 50% of the time we make it over the Pacific. You might get lucky today. That airline company would be out of business. And we've got a, a system of relating in our culture, just that issue alone, that should be out of business, but we buy into it every day happily. Sweet, you know? Let's see if I can if I can throw the dice, if I can take the gamble and this thing happens to work out for me and whoever I'm with at the moment. So, um, you know, that's just the way it goes. So I, I just want to speak some truth tonight. 
And I really want to talk to you because I believe that the... Well, I know that the success that I've had in, as a young man with my faith in the church is because I've chosen to be a son to the Lord. And I think we need to get a picture of who God really is to us. You know, because we think that God is angry at us. Like perpetually angry with us because we screwed up our lives. I mean, everybody here... My rap sheet is not good, just as I assume everybody's here isn't that good. My resume says I really screwed that up. <laughs> I totally messed that up. I didn't think I messed that up, but that was way off. <laughs> just give me a big fat F on that one. And so we think God looks over our resume and says, you didn't do anything right. What can I use you for? But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, well, we were still sinners. Well, we were yeah. still screwing our lives up totally and didn't even see it. Christ died for us. Yeah. That's the love of a father. And so I just wanted to start out by reading, uh, because I want to talk tonight about, do you want to be a slave or do you want to be a son or a daughter? Yeah. That's right. And I think even a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, still feel like they're slaves to God slaves to their churches. You know, I've been hurt by the church. If it wasn't for fathers in my life, I probably wouldn't be in full-time ministry like I am today because I could have easily gotten bitter and said, the church doesn't know how to treat me because the church didn't know how to treat me. And um, But it's because of the love of Father God and the love of fathers in my life, spiritual fathers and mothers, that I'm still surviving this fight. And it's a fight. But Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. That is the love of Father God. That Jesus chose to come to earth to lay down his life willingly, his choice, to lay down his will and give himself up for a bunch of people that still hated him. That's the love of Father God. And then he says, he goes on to say this, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Remember, you did not choose me. Get this. This is awesome. It gets me every time. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You're you're in this room tonight because God chose you. You know, we give ourselves a lot of credit. I'm here because I want to be here. That may be true, but God has a destiny over your life that you don't even see the half of it yet. And so I just want to speak as, as a son in the faith who's seen some success. You know, I started youth pastoring at the age of 21. And uh, so I've basically been in full-time ministry for seven years now. But that doesn't just happen because I get excited. That happens because I have to let the wisdom of the truth of God get in and the wisdom of fathers in my life get into my heart. You know, it says in Proverbs 19.2, it's not good to have zeal without wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's that principle in my life has been the thing that's kept me alive. Um, we're young, and what I love about this is, come on, it, it doesn't get much better than a bunch of college young people getting together in a house like this and just getting on fire for the Lord. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. But, that's not it. 
that's not the sum total of our life. Because if 15 years from now, you're done with college and you look back and you're just saying, gosh, do you remember those nights at Communitas where we just got together and the Spirit was just moving? Man, I wish I still believed it. And honestly... That happens to more people than we, we would like to admit. I'm not trying to like bring the party down. You know. I just We have to talk like this because when we're young and we have all this zeal and we say we're going to take the world for God, that's good. And I do believe we're going to take the world for God. But we have to have some wisdom combined with this, this passion that we have for the Lord. Otherwise, the enemy is going to take us out. Um, so let's, you know, let's get into it a little bit. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 4, just a couple of verses, verse 1 and verse 7. This is Paul, and what I love about Paul, he even said, I've become a father through the gospel. This is a guy that was just breathing out threats toward the church. He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but he met Jesus face to face, kind of like the 24 of us in this room, if you talk to us. We've just met Jesus face to face this year, and it's totally redefined reality for us. Redefined the way we look at things. So Paul got his world rocked. He said, I became a father through the gospel. And this is what he says, giving us a little bit of advice. He says, as long as the heir, that means we're the sons and daughters of God, so we have a pretty nifty inheritance coming to us. Wouldn't you wouldn't you agree? Yes. If the yes. creator of the universe calls you son, calls you daughter, your inheritance is pretty beefy. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean there might be some pretty rich people in the world, but they got nothing on the creator of the universe who says, I own it all. So it's just not a loan to you. Just want to make sure you remember that. He says as long as the heir is a child He's no different than a slave. Right? Right. Do you understand? If if we still just live in our immaturity, we may you ever notice how kids have just zeal for life? <laughs> I mean they just want to explore everything, they want to do everything. I want to go jump off of that, I want to eat that, I want to touch that. And it's always the parent that has to say, You can't touch that. I don't want you to eat that because you're gonna be puking for three days. Right? You can't jump off that, it's gonna bust your leg, but at least I'm here, I can rush you to the hospital. Right? So as long as the heir is a child, he's no different than a slave because it goes on to say he still has to have he still has to have people that watch over him to make sure he does everything right. He has no clue about what he's inherited. He really has no clue what his father's business is. He just inherits it all, but he can't use any of it because he doesn't know how to use any of it effectively. But it goes on to say at the end of this it says God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. That means Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. So Paul is just calling up the young people to say, don't act like children anymore. Don't be a slave anymore. Be a son. Be a daughter. Um, Be able to use the inheritance that you've been given. And if we want to be a Reformation generation, we've got to be able to use the inheritance we've been given. Because the enemy and the world is not just going to take us at our word. They're going to say, prove it. 
And you want to know, as a young person, how you prove it? You walk the Word of God out in your yeah, life. That's right. That's better, yeah. You want to know how you prove it? You want to know how you have authority over busted, nasty relationships? You prove to the world by doing it the right way. Yeah. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do anything the world's way. Actually, it says you're a new creation. And new means unprecedented. That means you don't have to try anything by a model that's already been tried and hasn't worked. Yeah. You're totally free to do things a completely new way. And I know that's tough because the world's going to look at you and say, it's never been done like this before. You're weird. Yeah, heck, yes, I'm weird. And guess what? This is going to work. I want to give you a couple of, just a couple things to think about. The difference between children and sons and daughters. When I say sons, this is obviously, there's men and women here, so you know that. Okay, so children, they're always concerned with their own interests. Isn't that true? They don't mean to be, but the world revolves around them. Feed me. Clean me. Bandage me. I shouldn't have jumped off that. Cry. Right? Whine, because I need somebody's attention. Always concerned with their own interests, but sons are concerned with the interests of the kingdom that their father rules over. Their interests become off of themselves and onto this kingdom that they've inherited as a son, as a daughter being adopted. Children are unaware of their father's work, right? I was growing up, I knew what my dad did for a job, but I was completely clueless as to what that meant. Cool, he's construction, right? But I didn't know what that meant. He builds stuff, right? Unaware of their father's work, but sons and daughters know their father's business because he clues them in. What did Jesus say? You're not slaves anymore, you're not servants because you know the Father's business, because everything that my Father showed me, I'm showing to you. That is a true Father-Son relationship. Our Father God wants to show us the business of the kingdom. Son, daughter, you want to know how to be successful? This is how we do it. This is how Daddy does it, right? You're in Papa's world now. Children live a lifestyle of taking Well, sons and daughters live a lifestyle of giving, giving their lives away. Jesus said, you'll have no greater love than this. You're going to lay down your life. And the cool thing to me about that is when we get a picture of who Jesus is, we want to lay it down. And this computer was almost going to lay down violently. So, So I want to talk a little bit tonight about how we turn from being children in the kingdom, the sons and daughters in the kingdom, who are going to own something beyond ourselves. And I'm not saying nobody here does that, but we we just need some keys. Because I see a lot of young people, especially those like me, with just this love for Jesus, a love for His kingdom, a love for the church, and we're just gifted beyond all get out. But we act more like children than we do sons and daughters. Right? Well, if I'm gifted, give me give me a platform to do what I'm good at. And then we get angry at God when He doesn't just swing wide the doors to let us do what we're called to do. I don't care if I'm only 19, 20. You gave me this gift. Let me use it. Don't hinder me. Right? Kids just think like that. We're just like, it's the world. I'm ready to take it on. Let's do it. 
we were thinking like that when we were four. <laughs> and mom and dad had to lovingly just say, hold on, son, hold on. I wanted to go to work with my dad. There's a picture of me and my dad. He, he was in construction, so we're working on the house. And it's kind of funny, because I have his real hammer, and he has my little plastic one. <laughs> And he's banging on the wall with the little plastic one. You know, we just want to be like our dad. And there's just some things you got to wait for until you're a little bit older, a little bit more mature to be able to handle. And so it's not necessarily that we're not gifted. We we have to be prepared to carry the gift that's been placed within that's us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's right. Here's something that I learned, and especially as I... You know, I've been in ministry for seven years. That's not a long time, but God's definitely taken me through some lessons. And one of the lessons I've learned is the further down the road of ministry I go, the greater, to the greater extent my character is tested. Like if, if I'm not strong in certain areas, it, they'd be things that would take me out if God hadn't worked on them through me before that. See, your gift... Your talent, and here's the thing, we are an extremely gifted and talented generation, and the world looks at that and says, good, we could use that. Yeah. You're good at that. I want that talent. I want to use that gift. And we say, sweet, because somebody notices us. But if it's like Nicole said, if you, if the whole sole purpose of your life is to get noticed because of what you do... Mm-hmm. You're gonna. You failed before you've even started. Yeah. Jesus said, first and foremost, your identity has to be in Father God. Who does Father God say that I am? Mm-hmm. Do you notice that before Jesus did any public ministry, before He performed a single miracle, before He raised anybody from the dead, before He preached His first sermon, what did His Father say to Him at the Jordan River? This is My Son, whom I love. And with Him I am well pleased. And that's the fuel that gave Him the ability to go out for the next three years and turn the world upside down. Is that acceptance from His Father saying, I love you, Son. And notice that He said, I love you and I'm pleased with you before He did anything for the kingdom. Okay, let's just sit on that for a minute. Because we're performance-driven, aren't we? Everything, the world calls us to performance. Get the grades so you can make the bucks. Get talented so people will notice you, so you you can earn a living, so that you can get an identity. But your identity is not found in the world. And the problem is, your talent and your gift is going to carry you a lot further than your character can handle if your character is weak. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, good. People are still listening and haven't revolted, so we'll keep going. So this is what I love. I love the relationship between Paul and Timothy because it's you see this true father-son relationship working in the gospel, right? Paul was not Timothy's father biologically, but he was his father spiritually. It even says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he starts out by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of our God and Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Paul looked at Timothy as a son. And I just wanted to read this little snippet of how they actually met. It's in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. And Paul comes into town, so it says he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. 
His mother was a Jewess and a believer, but his father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, and so Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey. So he circumcised him, that's interesting, because of the Jews in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So first, I just have to say this. If we're going to be successful as young people, we have to team up with fathers and mothers. Notice that Timothy became successful in ministry because there was a father there that was willing to walk him through some stuff. So I just want to I want to talk about that and I want to encourage you too because I know that we we live in what's kind of labeled the fatherless generation. Moms and dads that they're there but they don't know they don't give us any wisdom. We just feel like we got to live life and figure it out as we go. But you have to understand, God never intended for it to be that way. God's a generational God. He said, I want fathers and mothers to pass their wisdom down to the next generation. And I know we've got a lot of moms and dads, even in this room, that maybe you feel like they've let you down. Let me just assure you, if your heart says, I want to live like that, I need to get wisdom from fathers and mothers, God's going to provide them for you. Yeah. Yeah. God's going to provide those spiritual moms and dads in your life. Remember, what did he say? Ask and you will receive. And this is a good thing to ask yeah, for. Your motive is right in saying, I need the protection, I need the covering of a father and a mother in my life to help guide me. Because how do you get wisdom? You get wisdom through experience and quite frankly, when you're early 20s, you just don't have a lot of experience. We think we do, and we're well experienced in some things, but we just don't have a lot of life experience. And so Paul takes Timothy and says, I've got some experience, I want to help make you successful in the ministry. So first of all, Timothy is a son with a good reputation. The, the Bible said the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And I like this because... I don't think this scripture is just talking about Timothy's gifts and his talent. They didn't just walk up to Paul and say, this is a gifted kid. If I were you, I'd grab onto him because he's going to make the church successful. And uh, maybe some of you have been to that place. I've been to that place where the church looks at you and says, they got potential, they got a gift. We need to use them because it's going to make us look good. That's not the Father's heart. I believe that Paul saw promise in Timothy because he had a good reputation, and that speaks more of his character than it does his gifting. I believe that those people in his hometown said, this kid, is he's a strong man of character. And that's the thing that qualified him for the next level of influence. Because, listen, everybody in this room, God wants to use you to influence the world for Him. It's not good enough anymore just to call yourself a Christian, to have meetings on Tuesday nights, and feel good when you leave because you just had a Holy Spirit party. Again, those are good things, but when the rubber meets the road, the most important thing is when you leave this house, are you actually a person of influence for the kingdom of God in the campus that you set your feet to, in the job that you're doing? Right? Yeah. Okay, Pete. Yeah, come on. They gave me out on the deck. Look at that. So it was his character, it was his reputation that qualified him for his next level. 
Um, and I just got to say again, why do you think there are so many influential Christian leaders that get taken out? Why do I have to turn on the TV and think of somebody that had great influence in the church and all of a sudden they get caught up in some sex scandal or we find out they were homosexual all along even though they were married and had five kids. Where does that come from? Yeah. It comes because their gift carried them to a certain place but they never dealt with the real issues of their heart. They never worked on their character to say this is not the way that God wants me to live. This is not what Father God wants for my life. And so what does the enemy do? He lets them get to a certain place of influence, and then they get taken out at the top. Why? Because it gives the church a bad name. It gives Christians a bad name. Everybody who doesn't know that who Jesus is, that, he's, that He loves them, they look at the church and say, See, I told you, they're just a bunch of hypocrites all along. All they're good for is their little Christian meetings, but when the rubber meets the road, they got nothing good to offer the world. They're just the same as the rest of us. We want to be young people of influence. We want to be a Reformation culture. Then we got to be willing to work on the tough issues that are going on in our heart. And know, because our identity is in God, and we know He's a Father who loves us unconditionally, that when we bring the issues into the light, He's not going to be there with a stick to whack us in the forehead. What did I tell you? But we've experienced relationships with fathers and mothers in our life that make us think that God acts the same way, but God is not a father that acts like earthly fathers. That's right. That's right. So, um, that's that. Amen. Come on, Ryan. Listen to this, Romans 5.4. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Wow, wow. What's the thing in our lives that's going to bring hope to the world? Character. Character. Right here. Right? We think it's our gift. We think it's our zeal. We think it's our tenacity to take on the world. But he says, it's when you persevere through the top stuff, yeah. it's going to bring character into your life. It's going to strengthen you. And when, when the world sees young people of genuine character, that's what's going to bring them hope. Yes, Whoa! Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe this stuff actually does work because I have not seen a young person in a long time that's able to conquer these things like these young people are conquering these things. Sweet. Alright. Next thing. I just want to briefly say this. Timothy's circumcision. Okay? Weird. If you don't know what that means, check with somebody after this sermon. Uh, Paul circumcises Timothy before he takes him into ministry. I don't know about you, but if I was a young guy living under the New Covenant, mind you, this is New Testament stuff, I'd say, J hold it a tick, old man. <laughs> First of all, you're about 15 years too late. And second of all, in case you hadn't noticed, Jesus offers a new covenant. And I praise God for that every day. Right? So first, I think, I think this illustrates something. Another important principle, if you're going to have an effective relationship with a father or mother in your life, you've got to be willing to let them dive into the very personal and painful issues in your heart. Okay. Right? Right. I mean, as a first meeting, I don't know if this was the first meeting, but it happened pretty early on in their relationship. 
Paul has to say to Timothy, by the way, we got some cutting to do. That's very personal and, and very painful right off the bat. But I think it's an important principle. Again, your character's not going to be developed unless you deal with the very personal and painful issues that you don't want anybody to know about. But I believe that Timothy submitted to this, right, because it was the new covenant. But as a father, good fathers and mothers in your life are going to be able to see down the road further than you. They're going to see the things that open up doors for your life, and they're going to see things that if you do them, it's going to shut a lot of doors in your life. And I think that Paul said to Timothy, because this is a father's heart, hey, I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm doing this because it's going to open up so much more doors for your future. Right? We got the Jews over here, and they're still hung up on this circumcision thing, and you and I both know that it's not that big of a deal anymore, but everybody knows your dad's a Greek, so they don't take your family seriously. If you really want more doors open to you, if you want to be taken seriously, let's deal with this thing, and your ministry is going to open up to new new arenas. Young people, we got, I know we don't trust moms and dads that much, but you need to get into a relationship with a mom or a dad where you're going to be able to have these conversations and say, mom, dad, what do I need to do to be successful? What's going to open the doors in my life? And when they point out the tough stuff, well, First of all, there's this one thing that's just glaring in my mind. And you can't be like, whatever. I I do what I want. I do what I want. Right? And that's the danger in having a movement of young people, even for the kingdom of God, without the supervision of moms and dads. Right? Because we just decide, well, I think this is cool. I think we should do it this way. Then it just gets weird, funky, and the world can't relate, and we're just off in la-la land, and moms and dads are like, no, wait, there's more, no, whatever, right? It's going to open up more more doors for us. Amen. Right, so there's this there's this this bond of trust, and one of the things I love, and Pastor Tom's going to share a little bit, but what I love about our relationship, we can just be honest with each other. I can come to Pastor Tom with any issue in my life, not just spiritual issues. That's the cool thing, right? Moms and dads in your life, they care about everything. Like my real mom and dad, it's not just about ministry. It's about how success in raising a family, success financially, success socially. They're always checking up on those things. Good father-mother relationships in your life is somebody who's concerned about every area. And I can honestly talk to Pastor Tom about anything. Girl things. um, Social things. Like, uh, I don't know what to do. Right? Even church stuff and be totally honest about it. Say, hey, you want... I walk into his office and I'll say, you want to know why that service just stunk last week? I'll tell you why, because we stink at this. And this is why. That song was dumb. The preaching didn't make any sense. And sometimes Pastor Tom will say, well, you're a little offline there. Let me show you why. Not yelling at me. Or he'll say, I completely agree. We're going to talk about it. That's just honesty and communication. We don't have to make this thing religious. No father or mother, God does not call this generation to performance. 
He's not saying, gosh, I hope this generation performs for me so we can make a change in the world. Because you and I both know, or we should, that we can't do jack squat compared to God. The only one thing He needs is a heart that's just submitted. A heart that says, Daddy, I just want to do what I see you doing. I just want to carry your heart into the world, and that's going to do leaps and bounds over any gift or talent that we have as a young generation. So I just wanted to share that as a son, and now Pastor Tom's going to come and just share some more keys with you as a father. So I think it's awesome. So thank you for listening. Man, this is great. Fantastic. Um, well, I, I hope you're really hearing what Ryan has to say because the Lord does want you to go further, yeah. be better, do greater things. The world needs to turn around. Yeah. And by golly, you know, don't you think it's kind of weird that He chose you, worked on you for nine months in your mother's womb for such a day as this. Yeah. I think that is fantastic. Just worked on you, just shaped and fashioned, put that smile and did all that stuff on you for such a time as this. Yeah. Really. And that means you're the solution, you're the answer. You're what God has planned to turn our political garbage around, to, to turn our social injustice around, and please dance on injustice, and to turn our morals around and our business ethics around, to turn divorce around, on and on and on. And I just think it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you that he is called to do such a thing as that. Yeah. Yeah. But but the truth of it is, yes, I mean, I have been 36 years in ministry, and I have the cuts and scars, the dents, the wiggles, the um, <laughs> breaks, the everything else that comes along in that realm of this thing called walking with the Lord. Well, what does that mean? And so it's really important. It reminds me of uh, of one day my uh, I have four kids and uh, they're all married and uh, I think she my daughter was 16, 15, 16, coming into that guy stuff, you know. Oh my gosh, the guy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so here's what I did. You know, I, uh, I'm i an outdoors fan, so I put on a, a pair of hip boots on her. And I put a pair of hip boots on me, and we went down to this real wild river. And I said, okay, honey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cross this river. We're going to cross this river. And she goes, we're going to cross this river. And this was a raging kind of a river. And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, we're, I, let's just do it. And I said, okay, I'm going to go first, and I want you to follow me. And so I got out there, and of course, I've crossed lots of rivers. And uh, I got out there, and she said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I said, yes, you can, honey. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And this was this was a swift river, and you don't want to fall. So eventually, she said she couldn't. She couldn't. I grabbed her hand, and I said, okay, come on. Come with me. I led her across the river. We sat on the other side of the river, and she says, that was scary. What if I would have slipped? And I would have got swept way down that river. I might have drowned. 
And I said, that's absolutely right, honey. That's why what you're about to enter into with boyfriends, oh, you need to follow me. <laughs> you need to follow me. Because I got swept down river. I got swept down river with my relationships. And I almost drowned. So all I'm trying to say to you, honey, is I've crossed this river. Take hold of my hand. We'll do it together. Yeah. Come on. And she just still remembers, right? And and so I want I want to uh, if I can't just just for a few minutes. You're just so gracious to just be sitting here like and digging this stuff. But I also know it's one of those nights. Okay. Oh, I I want to just just quickly because I want to show you how to win some of this stuff. But let me show you one of my heroes. Um, and this guy is just absolutely great. Uh, listen to this. Of course, all you radical guys gotta love David and his mighty men. I mean, right? And you girls. Yeah. Davidesses. I think you're cool. You got it going on, too. So, you know, honestly, honestly, we are successful in GL because of an awful lot of powerful ladies. I, I totally understand that. Oh, there's one right there. The, um, let, let me see if I can, let me see now if I can really find this thing. Um, oh yeah, here it is. Listen to this. Benaniah, the son of Jodiah, the son of the valiant man. He was one of these mighty men of David. And these guys are awesome, man. I mean, I, they can shoot the bow with their right I'm, I'm a bow hunter. They can shoot the bow with their right hand and with their left. And these guys are good stuff. It's, it's amazing to me that the Bible just talks about the things they did. That's amazing to me. Right? He doesn't talk a lot about their names, but this guy, he, he's described, and he says, uh, The son of a valiant man, and he was mighty in deeds. And he struck down two sons of Ariel and Moab. He also went down and killed a lion inside a pit on a snowy day. And he killed the Egyptians, a man of great stature, five, seven feet, six, seven feet, six inches tall. So it just goes on. The guy had a spear like a weaver's beam, and he went down with him like a club, and he snatched the spear out of this Egyptian's hand, and he killed him with his own spear. Wow, this guy's cool. <laughs> but the problem of it is, is, this guy is more than cool. I mean, this guy, this guy, listen, listen to this. I think this is so goofy. This guy went into a pit on a snowy day to kill a lion. What? Did you hear that? Nobody does that in their right mind. Big pit, lion with claws, like he's got studs on, tractions on, and he sees a lion. And he looks in and he sees this lion stuck in a pit on a snowy day. Right? And says, I think, I think I'll just jump in that pit and kill the lion. I've got nothing better to do, I guess, with my life than to jump into a pit on a snowy day and kill a lion. Right? Are you, come on, you guys. Look, look at you on snowy days. You can't even drive your cars. Right? And listen, you guys from Minnesota, you come out to the state of Washington and you go, hey, 
I've had snow for six months, and I know how to drive on snow. And this is stupid. You got six inches of snow around here, and schools are canceled. We do. We literally do. And we say, well, then go at it. Ring, ring, ring. I'm stuck in the ditch because we have hills. <laughs> you admit it so bad, kids. Aren't you the hills? But hills on a snowy day is bash. A lion in a pit on a snowy day is ten times worse. <laughs> now, girls, <laughs> just think of you. I don't see I don't see one man in this room ready to jump in a pit on a snowy day, let alone girls. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did God choose to put that goofy little line in the Bible? I'm gonna tell you the reason. Obviously he looked ahead and said, if I don't, while I have a chance to destroy that lion. It might get my kids later. Or it might get me. And God has set it up for me to win this battle right now. Yeah. Oh, come on. So he was he, he looked ahead and he said, This is God's plan. Because that might destroy Jesus goes about as a what? Roaring lion. A roaring, looking, seeking whom he may devour. Can I please say to you, when you have a chance to take down the lion on a snowy day, do it. Because he sneaks around, prowling around, waiting for you. Right? Are you with me? He's waiting for you. Are you with me? And this man jumps into a pit on a snowy day. I'm here to tell you that what Ryan is having to say about your character is absolutely true. And I don't care whether it's in business. I don't care whether it's in church. I don't care where it is. If you're not faithful, prompt, on time, you need to start dealing with those things. Mm -hmm. You really do. It's your lion. Now, the thing that I love is Jesus in 1 John 1, 17, 8, he says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Yeah. So please, young people, please hear, hear the message. If you hear the truth, and it's impossible, like loving the unlovely, <laughs> right? Like not kissing and touching my girlfriends, like stuff that I, oh, I can't do that, <laughs> Right? This stuff is really hard for you to do, like not cheating and stuff like that, or right? The stuff like you're murmuring, complaining, and oh, your promptness and your all that stuff, you know, the stuff, you know, the stuff of life. You see, he came full of so he might tell you and you might whisper in your ear, you've got to stop complaining. And we go, but Complaining helps me, no, and the Spirit of the Lord says, stop complaining. I want to fill you with thanksgiving, because it will always cause you to triumph, yeah. right? So if the truth comes, then please know this, in Jesus the grace comes as well. Because yep. mm -hmm. he came full of truth and grace, and a lot of people hear the truth, 
and then they think, I can't do that. But if they receive the grace that comes with the truth, they can do it because with God all things are possible. Right. And greater is He within you and God's ability in the human heart, which is great, which is the guy that transforms a Saul into a Paul or a, a goof, goofy old hippie like me into me. <laughs> so He changes. Well, don't you, you talk about Stephanie, yeah. you're giggling over there, but Stephanie, Stephanie embraced the gay lifestyle for three years, engaged to a woman, hated, hated people, actually marched in abortion rallies, served at clinics where abortion was taking place, and go born again. Yeah. Oh, whoa, yeah. You know what Ryan said about that new thing? It's a brand new thing. So she comes in, four years of college, has her degree. The university stole all that because they're radical for their own agenda. And to Saturday, we're going down to this thing, going to put the red tape on our mouth, and we're going to protest what's happening on our land over abortion. And she's going to lead it. But she overcame because grace did it in a human heart. And the truth came and set her free. So let me let me just say quickly, let me just tell you how to do it. Okay? Remember, grace is doing it within you. Truth is the element that we need to line up. I loved Ryan. You guys listen, you gotta fall in love, you gotta stay in love with the word of God. It's the kingdom come to heaven, it's the way things are done in heaven, and God wants the way things are done in heaven to to be done on this earth, so the truth comes, it sets us free, grace empowers us, grace completes it. The formula for that is if we'll humble ourselves, but we don't have time to talk about that tonight. If you humble yourself, you'll get grace. Right? But here's what I want to share with you in Romans 12.31. This is one of the key things we learn in generational leadership. How do you overcome evil? <laughs> How do you overcome evil? Because, man, there's a bent in our nature towards evil. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. Right? There's a, there's a bent in all the things I just kind of mentioned a little bit. How do you do it? Remember, you do it with truth. You do it with grace. You do it with humility. But we call it displacement. And here's how you do it. You overcome evil with good. So, so if you're guilty of being a Christian complainer, then do just the opposite with God's grace. Do just the opposite. If you're bad at taking advantage of ladies, do just the opposite, guys. And put grace into honoring, guarding, protecting, and cherishing them. And girls, if you're full of seduction and flirting, no, no, no. Christians. But if you're guilty of that, because that is one of those weakness, remember your God's grace is where? Sufficient yeah. in your yeah. where? Yeah. It didn't say in your strength. Right. It says he's sufficient in your weakness. Yeah. And so figure out what it takes to be a woman of purity. Yeah. Figure out, ask God, look at the Bible, because if little things like this guy jumping into his pit on his snowy days in there, I'm sure there's reasons and Answers how to be a successful young man and how to be a successful young woman. Yeah. But we call it displacement. So everyone comes up and says, okay, PT, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? What I, I say, 
what is the opposite? How would you displace that? What would God do if His grace was fully involved with your life? And it's always, oh. I, I do that. I do that because, remember, some of you, my mate, what would Jesus do? <laughs> remember we used to wear those? What would Jesus do? Did you ever wear those? What would Jesus do? Did you ever look at it? Uh, a good friend of mine, a, a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine went to a psychiatrist, and he's having trouble with his wife. His wife thought that he was having another affair. He wasn't, but the wife heard some wrong advice anyway. So she says, "You got to go to a psychiatrist. You got to go to a counselor." He says, "I'll do anything to keep your love, honey. I'll do anything." He goes to the counselor. You know what the counselor told him to do? Put a rubber band on your wrist, and every time you have a lustful thought, snap it. And he came to me and he says, This is stupid. And his wife says, What are you doing? He's going, I think you're pretty. I like to kiss you. And she said, You're not taking this serious. Well, that's stupid. And I mean, it's stupid. I mean, that's stupid. He paid 125 bucks an hour for that kind of advice. Advice. If you're going to college to become one of those, would you please get some biblical solutions for problems? But I don't mind the if it's what would Jesus do? I kind of like that. What would you? That's called displacement. And if you'll learn to displace things, overcoming evil with good. And putting humility, grace, and truth into practice, then you will turn your culture upside down. Yep. You will turn this campus upside down. You will turn your families upside yep. down. We got some great testimonies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think three girls had a tough upbringing and some really difficult stuff. They got saved, came to jail, got saved. Now their families are saved. Yeah. Because they're doing what Jesus would have them do. And their family says, I want what you got. What is that? What is that? That's what they're they're saying. I want God's grace working in my life to change me like it's changed you. Can I pray for you? Let me pray for you. Because I really I really want you to get this key because you I listen, we attack our grocery stores in Maple Valley. Yo, you know how we attack our grocery stores? We go in and smile. Because <laughs> no one smiles anymore. <laughs> and then we compliment the clerk. And we say, you're sure doing a good job today. Yep. And they go, yeah. Right? Yeah. We open the doors. Guys, yeah. guys, we haven't lost honor, have we? Guys. No. Girls, let me ask a question. Girls, how many in the last month have had a guy open a door for you? Raise your hand. That's Jill. Would you guys stop? Yes, there's a couple. Yes. Chivalry is not dead. Woo. Okay. Yeah, what? Yes, there's hope, guys. You see? So we like to go out into the world and be the light and the salt and change the atmosphere 
of the places around us by letting the fruit of His Spirit win people. Yeah. So let me pray for you. Because, listen, I want your character to be the character of Christ. Yeah. That the excellency of Christ and the fragrance of His Spirit might come out of you. That if you see a lion in a pit in your life, that's gonna just guys, come on, come on. I'm t- okay, guys. And I hate when preachers say, "Bow your head," and then they talk for ten minutes. I think that's so silly. So I got to tell you, look up at me a minute because I just got to tell you this, guys. If you have a pornography internet problem, it's a lion in a pit yep. on a snowy day. Yep. yep. That's good. Turn it. Smash it. Guys, listen to me. Here's the secret. Your wives later are going to have a really hard time with it. (laughs) Kill it now. Kill it now. Kill it now. Because your six-year-old and your 14-year-old and your 18-year-old and your 25-year-old you got to tell them how you killed it. Because yep. yep. they're going to have to fight with the same lust problem because yep. we all have that problem. Yeah. Right? So get it now. Get it on. If you need the little protection thing on the computer, put ten of them. <laughs> do whatever you have to do to kill the lion in the pit. Jesus, your truth and grace is so wonderful. And you are calling us for such a day as this to make a difference. I love that. I love that you've called us to go into a dark world and shine as lights. You've told us to be the ones that are changing the atmosphere, changing the aroma of every place we go. You're the one that's asking us to even to bring the power of your gospel. Wow. The power of your gospel in seeing the, the sick healed and, and those set free, those that are oppressed. You're asking us to do, and we cannot do this in our own abilities. So we're here right tonight in this gathering saying, grace upon grace. <laughs> Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. You know, Saul sang it. Wow, Peter sang it. We're singing it. Amazing, amazing grace. Father, will you allow us, just uh, as Ryan has pleaded with us, oh, let's just make sure our character causes us to be the best businessmen, the best wives, the best women in the work world, the best at the marketplace, (laughs) the best at the church. And Father, so we know there might be realms in our character that really need your grace. And we welcome your grace tonight. We, We humble ourselves and welcome your ability in these frail human hearts. Oh, wretched man that I am. Thanks be. (laughs) Thanks be unto Jesus. Thanks be unto Jesus who comes full 
of truth and full of grace. I bless my brothers and sisters. Let your truth and grace be abundant in their spirits from this day forward. Thanks, everybody, for having us, Paul. Hey, thank you. Thank Nicole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hear any truth tonight? Yeah. Anything that you could apply? Yeah. Does it make sense to you? Yes. Holy Spirit can work it in your heart, can He? Right. What a wonderful evening we've had, Clint. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna go into a time of this room is gonna be set apart for prayer. So if the if the message ministered to you and you want to get some personal prayer, uh, feel free to stay in here. So all conversations will take out in the other room. There's gonna be food and fellowship, and so we'll just go into a time of that. So great. Thanks again, you guys. Woo! <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna let it go. Oh, I did. Go, go.